Welcome to the Dear Doc Podcast, where we will discuss the business of running a dental practice with a panel of experts. Now, your host, Dr. Christopher Hoffpower. Hey guys, thanks for joining us again for another episode. All right, we'll wait until you're not picking your nose. <laughs> Tell me when you're ready. Oh, I'm ready. I'm ready, dude. <laughs> hey guys, thanks for joining us again for another episode of the Dear Doc Podcast. Now today we've got another guest coming who's talking about the business model that they run. Um, I'm really excited to be joined by someone I've just gotten to know recently, and that is Dr. Brady Smith. Dude, how are you doing? Oh, I'm doing, I'm doing as good as anybody else, I think. Uh, <laughs> I'm, faring, I'm faring okay. It's day-to-day, -day, though. How, how are you holding up with all this corona stuff? It's, uh, it's gotten a little bit insane. You know, I, per, I personally am doing okay. Um, I still, uh, we're going to talk about, you know, how my business is run, and, and we do right. a lot of emergency stuff, and, and we're based in emergency, doing a lot of, our whole business model revolves around emergency and same day treatment and it's not uncommon for us to get five or six walk-ins a day even outside the covid era so right so uh, then with all the other dentists closing yeah, we're staying okay we're staying pretty busy and then managing my staff is a whole different thing but me personally i'm doing doing great feel good well you know it's uh we're going to get into your business model and, and how it may differ from other people's practices because that's kind of this is a mini series of talking about the different ways that dentistry can be done. And there's so many of them, but first I need to ask you about this crazy pandemic panic room. You, you just got this built to keep the virus out, right? Yes, this is coronavirus free and <laughs> it, uh, it blocks out all aerosols and I might just start doing dentistry in here too. I think it's, I think it's, does, does it have option. negative pressure? Does it have negative pressure? I'm just going to say it does. Okay. Uh, that, that works for me. Unless they inspect it, you're good, right? Yeah. Yeah, you want a little tour? Should I do a little? Yeah, do a little... show everybody what this is. So, uh, folks, of course, I'm kidding. This is actually his um, his sound room, and uh, his studio is super, super cool. I was just talking to him about the about the cost of getting something like this set up. Uh, I, from what I understand, you got this so that your wife doesn't murder you whenever you're practicing with the band <laughs> or something like that. One of one of my all time like. I don't know how to like bucket list ideas or things I wanted to be a part of was to be in an old man band. And awesome. so I established, you know, my practice and my business. And this has always been a dream of mine forever, forever, mm -hmm. man. Like I started playing guitar when I was 13 years old. Wow. And forever I wanted to, I was in a stupid band when I was in high school. And uh, now I'm also in a stupid band. <laughs> there you go. But listen, it's a way better band now. So I got, you know, I got about five other people and we play a bar every month, you know, outside mm -hmm. coronavirus times. We, we used to, I suppose. Uh, and it's incredible. And so this is a practice space and I wanted to build a space where I could, you know, jam on my own, jam with friends, jam with the right. whole band. So we got a whole drum kit in here, recording equipment. We can kind of do everything. And that's, that's why I built it. So there's a little comp there's a company in Oregon and South South Oregon that uh, mm -hmm. just creates these panels and you just basically design work with them to design how big how many panels how many how many you know how tall you want so this whole space fits uh, right inside my third garage space so I have a three car garage very cool I only have two cars so now I have a band room I, it's a nice have you noticed that there's like car dentists and guitar dentists like it, uh, we yes. all have our yeah. little affectation something that we collect uh, i think i've only got one in here that you'd you'd enjoy um i know you're a big electric guy i'm a big acoustic guy but um <laughs> my one oh, of i my, like it all do you do you oh i like I've, it I've got i like a, it all man i've, I've yeah. got something one of these days i'll have to get you to to, to learn me something because i i can't play electric or the crap but i just I'm self-taught. I started playing the, the acoustic and just always what I played. Well, my brother-in-law yeah. is huge into, um, I don't know what you'd call the genre. It's, it's, it's fractioned so much now, but he likes things like Rammstein and corn and, you know, all these heavy, heavy, heavy sounds. 
And yeah. uh, speaking of heavy sounds, can you hear the thunder outside? Guys, if we lose, uh, if we lose audio and visual, it's because the power's gone out again. We just got it back on about 10 minutes ago. So, oh, man. No, hopefully we got the thunder's not too bad. We got a bluebird day over here in, in Washington State. So I, I'm a little bit jealous. But then yeah. I'd have to live in Washington State. Hmm. I know. Well, you're in it's where you hit Texas. Texas is pretty sweet. I, I like you guys, Texas. Uh, we don't have we don't have the beautiful uh, the beautiful um, eastern rainforest over here or western rainforest over here though. You guys, man, it's gorgeous out there. I've done a lot Christ, of hiking near yeah. Portland, um, out uh, at the Monmouth Falls. Really, really nice area. For sure, no, it's awesome. Yeah, totally beautiful touristy, area, but you know, it is what it is. If you're if you're outdoorsy. Pacific Northwest is fantastic. I love it. Absolutely. So let's let's get down to uh, let's get down to business, man. You run a very different type of office than most of us do. Um, why don't you talk to us a little bit about the um, the I guess you'd call it a franchise, really that that you're a member of. Yeah, and I actually call it the only true franchise in dentistry uh, because I don't know of anything else that's exactly like it. So the name of the organization is called Comfort Dental, which I think okay. a lot of people have heard of Comfort Dental uh, right. Right. In, some, in some way, shape, or form. Maybe they know somebody or, or who's a part of it, but Comfort Dental requires a buy-in to be a partner. And I happen to, they do, they do a buy-in isn't necessary right off the bat, but it is necessary eventually. Okay. So... So you might be able to come and do a month-to-month type of type of setup with Comfort Dental as an associate, and me as my as as a franchise owner, I would determine the terms of that associateship, whether I want to pay a percent of production or, but usually we we choose like an industry standard, and okay. and we go we, and we go from there. But I tell all my potential partners up front, I want a partner, I don't want an associate. So the associateship has one purpose, and that is to determine viability for a partnership and that's the purpose of all associateships that we would that we would run I, I think i think that's a really good outlook too i think a lot of private practice owners should take that philosophy it's kind of like uh only date a girl who do you want to who you want to marry kind of a thing i was just gonna say i was just gonna say that are you dating to marry or are you dating to date i mean it, so it's it's uh it's a dating to marry situation at comfort dental for sure comfort dental was created by rick kushner in the eighties and he created a business model that is basically still the same as it was in the 1980s, which is based on bread and butter dentistry. He has a whole series of lectures called lean and mean. It's a lean and right. mean concept where we're just keeping over. I mean, essentially we're keeping overhead low. I'm sure we'll get more specifics, but, but uh, topically we just keep overhead low mm -hmm. and we do as much dentistry as we can. And so we cater to a lower socioeconomic demographic right? where the dentistry seems to be uh there seems to be an endless supply of it well you you also do something a little bit different than what my mind wrapped around um, you know we we all know steven right and he runs that kind of a you know heavy heavy ppo heavy hmo practice where he's running back and forth between chairs all day long yeah. but you actually you've incorporated implants into your into your practice pretty heavily which I found impressive because you're working with that yeah. socioeconomic demographic. How did you do that? So each individual, so let me back up because it's the, I joined in 2009, right when I graduated right. dental school. So I've been, uh, I hit 10 years uh, last year and I don't know anything else besides this comfort dental model. I know, I mean, I've just from talking, I haven't lived any, any other, any other right. model. But in 2009, that came right after the cusp of the 2008 recession, which hit a lot of people super hard. If you had any investments right. or real estate or anything like, anything like that, uh, it was a big financial recession for America. <clears throat> and Comfort Dental was super transparent with their numbers, and they had shown double-digit growth mm -hmm. uh, throughout that time period. And that was super impress impress impressive. And when I asked the uh, vice president, president and the people who I was talking to the CEO who also makes himself very reachable. Mm -hmm. I asked him about how, how, how is that possible? Everyone else is suffering. Everyone else is doing terrible. Right. Everyone else is cutting back and laying off. Because there's always you are, you're growing And you're thriving. And he said, well, yeah. it's our target. We target the people who need the dentistry. 
Absolutely. So that need is that need does it doesn't matter what happens. You can think up any scenario you want. That need is never going to go away. Mm-hmm. People, it's like a grave digger. I think that's I think that's the exact analogy he used was was you're 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 always going to have customers if you're a grave digger because you right. can't escape certain things. So tooth pain and tooth dental disease is one of those things that you just have to you know every dentist would concede it's necessary. Right. Uh, it's going gonna, it's gonna to happen. So I thought that was really kind of cool. And that was part of my decision process was thinking, well, that's a good insurance policy because I'm never going to run out of patients. And that seems like one less thing I got to worry about. Absolutely. And it has been. So we've never worried about Comfort Dental offices. It's not uncommon for us to see 150 new patients every month. Right. Which seems ridiculous to a lot of people. Those kind of numbers just seem like we're making those up or it's fake or, mm-hmm. but, uh, you know, we don't retain. 150 new people every right. month these people have the mentality of it's a one and done for a lot of people it's uh, i'm gonna get a pain and that's all i want and the the you idea know, is that go ahead you know whenever, when i was younger i was brought up exceedingly poor i mean like in the lap of yeah the lap of poverty poverty so uh, <laughs> i um whenever i got my first car i remember i'd only do anything to it when it broke and I think a lot of people are in that position with their mouths. They kind of think of it the same way until something's hurting. It's just not an issue to them. They, they, they don't have a maintenance mindset. Uh, right. And the idea is that at Comfort Dental, it's more than just a, uh, a lot of people just talk about, you know, we don't use hygienists typically. We're allowed to, we just don't. Right. Uh, for the most part. But it's, um, you know, we just, uh, we just, uh, there's, there's a mentality. It's not just like, well, maybe if someone else doesn't employ hygienists, they're going to have the same success as Comfort Dental. But Comfort Dental has a mentality behind it too, which is we want every patient. There's not a, a lot of, there's a lot of talk about dentists. Sometimes you'll say, well, do you really want that kind of patient? And at Comfort right. Dental, the answer is yes, we do. Mm-hmm. We want them all. We want every single one of them. And, uh, you know, there's a conversion of every new patient that comes in is going to recommend you know, 3.4 people to your practice over a lifetime. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that, that statistic just extrapolates over time into just, like I said, one less thing to worry about, which is just butts and seats. You got to get, you right. got to have butts and seats. What I have found, and to get back to your question of, of how we've incorporated implant dentistry, implants, there's nothing that we can't do in comfort. Comfort isn't just bread and butter. If we want to mm-hmm. somehow incorporate orthodontics, we do it in a lean and mean way. We, we employ some of the same principles in that we're going to be financially competitive with the market for sure. We want to be, we want to be the least expensive. We want people mm-hmm. to chew. When if, that's, if that's what the patient is using to choose where they go, we want them to choose us. And right. we, believe, we believe that that is what patients are choosing when they make a decision. It's, it's heavy on their mind is how much they're going to save. Will they go across town to save a thousand bucks? And I think that they will in many situations. Uh, they also use convenience as a way, uh, you know, of, of, of influencing their decision of how, so we, we, we really look at the psychology of how patients choose where they go. Right. And obviously price and convenience are two of the big factors, not the only factors, but price and convenience, both geographically and, you know, how comfortable people feel with a dentist. Right. So they're using all these factors to decide where they go. And we just, what about hours? Do you guys yeah, have so, more expanded hours or anything like that or expanded days? Mm-hmm. Comfort dentals are all open 66 hours a week. So that's five 12 hour shifts, Monday through Friday, mm-hmm. and then an extra six hour shift on uh, Saturday. And, and so we are open, you know, whatever hours that someone might need, we're open for those hours. So that's okay. another aspect of comfort dental. And that's, and that's, um, I don't work 66 hours a week. Comfort dentals are almost always open with two partners, two individuals who split that, that share. So you can, uh, we can decide how we want to run it. We can do uh, alternating 12 hour shifts. We can do a six hour shift every day, which adds up to either 36 hours a week, one week, and then 30 hours the next. So sometimes mm-hmm. me and my partner will do six hour shifts and we'll alternate Saturdays. So you're looking at an average of 33 hour, a 33 hour work week 
based on okay. 36 hours one week and 30 hours the next. So I think it's super manageable. And it's kind of what dentistry, what dentists come out of school hoping for. Dentists are kind of mm -hmm. hoping and expecting I'm not going to work a 40-hour work week. And at Comfort Dental, we, we certainly don't, especially during COVID times. We're actually reducing our hours, uh, you know, cutting out the non cutting out the uh, non-essential stuff uh we are still pretty busy uh but not four columns deep 12 hours a day busy yeah did, by the way speaking of covid times did i send you my uh my covid tribute song i need to get that out no, to you if i didn't no well, <laughs> no i don't it, think it's, so it's sung to the tune of tulsa times oh i, I think, think i, I think, think uh, did you post it on facebook I did. I did. Yeah. 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 I saw it. Yeah. That was great. That so, was great. So you get out of school and it is, it is, it's the eighties. It's, you know, horrible, horrible time for dentistry, horrible time for the economy. And um, now in, in a lot of ways that that's kind of a perfect segue into where we are today, uh, because yeah. right now, and you and I, we, we spoke about this at length a while back, about how the economy is, is going to certainly crash, at least for some period of time after this. And, um, and, and just kind of speculation as to what it's going to do, how quickly it's going to recover. And I said, what are your thoughts? And you said, I'm not worried. So talk to us a little bit about that, because that feeling of just, yeah. if I was still a private practitioner, um, if I hadn't partnered with MB2, I would, I don't think I'd be sleeping at night. I, I know that that sick feeling to, to the pit of your stomach when everything is so tight that you're wondering if it's even worth being open. Because, you know, I went through that as I, I went, because I, I had a scratch startup right out of school. So I, I remember those times and I never want to feel that way again. But it sounds like Comfort Dental has kind of struck that right note, that right combination where you've made accessibility to care profitable. And, and it, it's, it's kind of a, it's kind of, kind of the thing that you, like you were saying, the, the, the grave digger is never out of work, right? Because there's always poor people and in bad times there's more of them. So talk to me a little bit about that. Yeah. Yeah. So you know, there are a lot of people, uh, and dentists, there are a lot of dentists who I do worry about. I personally don't worry about myself because I have had nothing but exposure to how prevalent dental disease is. I think a lot of dentists, if you're, if you're spending your time dropping PPOs right. and raising fees, you are going to be, and I think any dentist would admit that you're going to be a little out of touch with the masses mm -hmm. because you're, you're aiming for a little bit of a narrower target. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. I don't think right. there's anything wrong with any way that a dentist want to run their, run their business. You want to have fee for service, be fee for service. I have no problem. I do think it becomes problematic if everybody wants to be fee for service right. because there's not a lot of, there's not enough room at the top of the mountain mm -hmm. for everybody to be there. Well, wouldn't, wouldn't that be the new normal then? But getting any dentists, I mean, it's like herding cats. Getting all dentists to drop insurance, it's impossible. Uh, right. For, for many, it's many reasons that we're not going to get into because my mom always told me if I can't say something nice, not to say anything at all. So I'm just right. not going to address that. <laughs> yeah, sure. Listen, every dentist are doing their, doing their thing. But the, 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 what's interesting to me is some of the comments that I've had directed towards me online when I've shared that I am still open and making money and I'm doing root based on root canals and extractions. Essentially that is 99% of what I'm doing now is root canals and extractions. I'm lucky that I know how to do those procedures and I haven't been referring those out for 10 years. Instead, mm -hmm. I've been cranking those out at a high volume right? and getting really good at those procedures. I'm also benefited by the closure of other dentists. So during this time, I'm receiving a lot of calls from other dentists who have decided to close. And I do say decided. I know, I know people kind of take issue with that, but the, you know, maybe you decided because you didn't feel like you had much of a choice. And I do recognize that. 
but it's always a choice. There's a choice in what you do. You stay open, you stay closed. We weren't ever mandated to close our offices, close our doors. We were only mandated procedurally what we right. could do inside of our open office. So, and you and I are exactly on the same page in that. Yeah. And I don't mean to belittle people. I feel terrible. I, I, and I think the offices that suffer the most are the offices who started with, you know, maybe they run one or two chairs and they have one or two employees mm -hmm. and they're seeing one patient at a time anyways, maybe yep. two, if it gets super busy. Um, those are the, the guys and gals that I think are going to be hit the hardest. And I think when things get back to normal, it's going to take mm -hmm. the longest for them. The fee for service dentist also, I think right now, I think you got, you got three things that need to happen for things that return to normal. And one is dentists have to be permitted to do their job, yeah, which we're not. Absolutely. So that's the first thing that has to happen. Second thing that has to happen, and this is no small task either, is your staff has to feel safe and stop being incentivized by the government to not work because they're getting paid more to stay home. So until those two things happen, that's, that's two things. And that's going to be the getting over the staff thing is that that's going to be a, that's going to be a, that's going to be a discussion that Dennis will be a with challenge the staff for the next, the next couple of months until this extra $600 a, a week infusion, the stimulus for unemployment recipients goes away. Right. The third thing that has to happen is your patients have to feel safe and they have to financially recover themselves if they were in a situation that was not ideal. I got a lot of people coming in spending stimulus checks on root canals. Uh, for sure, that's happening. They have some money and they need the root canal done. They're spending their stim and they're telling me, they're, I'm, I got my stimulus, I'm ready to go. Absolutely. So that, that's definitely happened. But those are the three things I see that have to happen. And right now, that first one is just getting Dennis back to, you know, it's permissible to do your job. And so that's starting to happen but I see it as a year off and you get the staff. Yeah. I mean, that's, that's I stimulus. That stimulus is, is available till July 31st. You're just going to have a lot of situations. And I hope that people don't lose their job because you're going to hit ahead with, you got business owners, you got employees, business owners want to get to work. I need my staff. My staff says, I'm not coming in. Yeah. I say, we, well, we don't think alike. And I think that's something that a lot of people don't realize is business owners and employees do not think the same way. No. No, they don't. And they have different values and they have different uh, priorities. And um, I was very fortunate that I got in on the payroll protection plan loan. Mm -hmm. So my 60 day forecast looks really good. So, so I'll tell you personally, in my office, when this all rolled out, the COVID-19 stuff and the mandates were coming down and, and the sky was falling. I had a meeting with my staff, a personal mm -hmm. meeting, physical meeting. And I said, anybody who feels unsafe can go home, file for unemployment. Your job's waiting for you when you come back, when this all gets back to normal. And I will move heaven and earth to make sure that everyone is provided for who is under my employee. And I have nine employees at the practice that I work at. Mm -hmm. So three of them left pretty, pretty immediately. Uh, didn't feel safe. Family was pressuring them to leave. And they personally felt it wasn't safe to be working. So they left. That left me with six. And one, one, because infection control, we got really diligent. I had to let one of my employees go because it did not seem like infection control was of a high priority. And it wasn't right. being, it wasn't able. So one was for cost. Left me with five employees. Mm -hmm. And then we got the payroll protection, which is going to help us out. But the only reason I got payroll protection was because I'm open and I'm and I'm working and I'm mm -hmm. paying five employees and I need to pay five employees. So it made sense for me to, the, right. the, I don't, the people who are closed and not working and now they got their money and they have to like try to start up, but they can't because their business is based on non-essential services like veneers and whitening and Invisalign and those things that were just, just out the window right now. I don't know if that was the best move for those individuals to get payroll protection, but for us, it worked out really, really well. And uh, so that's where I'm at personally. So for 60 days, we got to, hopefully 60 days rolls around, we'll be able to get the rest of the staff on. And uh, we're looking at, I think May 5th, 
in, mm-hmm. in Washington state, we are assuming because it hasn't been addressed. We are assuming that we are back to non-essential services being okay on May 5th. Yeah, Oregon, I'll tell you, Oregon good, announced May 1st. Good luck and with it. Texas, and I hope you, you are, man. It's uh, Texas yeah. is finally opening up here and um, yeah. we'll be open for business this coming week. The only thing is, is that with the strictures put into place, it's, Hey, you can open, but you have to have this PPE. And of course, PPE is in short demand, uh, short supply right now with high demand. So it's, it's yeah. going to be interesting starting back up. So to, to talk a little bit more about your business model, uh, Brady, yeah. what, kinds of insurances obviously you take ppos and everybody in their right mind would take indemnity plans right because <laughs> i mean that's the best thing since sliced bread um right do you also take hmos do you take um do you take medicaid or, or chip or whatever they call it in yeah. your in your area so so yeah so uh medicaid or, or um state insurance yes we do now okay uh a couple things one this is really interesting um uh, I answer your question first before I go on a tangent. I'm about to go sure. on a tangent. I don't want to forget your question. We accept just about everything. Uh, I have HMO plans, capitation plans. I accept Delta Care, which mm-hmm. is uh, a capitation program. But I look at it and I see, you know, it's all about knowing how to play the game. It's if you go to a casino, you got a lot of different games you can play. Mm-hmm. And if you don't know how to play the games, you're going to think, well, this is stupid. It just takes my money. Right. If you know how to play the game, and you, with a little bit of luck, you, you can make those, each of those games profitable for you, right? So when I accept state, what, you, what, I, what, I, what I love to tell people, you mentioned how I do implants and how I corporate, incorporated implants, and I haven't really answered that question very well, and I will now. Half of the implants I do are on state patients. Mm-hmm. It's not a covered benefit by state. <clears throat> so right. it, means, it means essentially it's fee for service. It's mm-hmm. I, I choose the fee. Here's how much it costs to get an implant with me. Now we do $1,000, essentially $1,000 for the implant and $1,000 for the crown, which includes the abutment. And uh, right. so it's $2,000. With, with, with today's clones, there's no reason that everyone can't be at a, at a $2,000 price point. There just isn't. I don't think, I mean, I'm not losing money. I mean, it's, it's, it's 170 bucks for the implant, which comes with a stock abutment, which I can use sometimes. I can't use it every time, right. but I can use it sometimes. And then it's, uh, I think, 120 bucks, 150 bucks, something like that for the crown afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's an extra 100 bucks if I need a custom abutment. It's, it's not, unless, unless it's a zirconia abutment. But for the most part, my costs are under 500 bucks for the whole thing out the door. Mm-hmm. I'm charging two grand. And I feel like that's, it's good enough for me. I, I can't right. speak for all, all dentists, but those numbers work for me very, very well. And the idea is that I'm doing them on a population that many dentists discount. Now, mm-hmm. in order to get those patients, I have to be okay with $56 surgical extractions. So, so uh, and, and, and $38 simple extractions. And I do them. And I, I, you know, I plug my nose and I swallow that bite. And that's just what I got to do. But I do feel very, very fulfilled serving a population of people who need it. Their only other option is going to be a federally qualified health center, which is a, these are locations that are paid by encounter, mm-hmm. uh, which is to me criminal. I don't think, I don't think dental organizations or clinics should be paid by encounter. So it, it, it's one of the things I get on my soapbox about, especially on my well, podcast too. I, I'm going to let you get time. on the soapbox as long as you don't piss off a certain type of dental auxiliary on my podcast. We'll be okay. But um, I, I told you I was going to give you a hard time about that one more time. So, yeah. so far as that goes, I know nothing about it. Um, you know, I came from initially starting off as a PPO, um, got rid of all the PPOs, went free for service. Yeah. But I aim at, by the way, and I think this is significant, I aim at your demographic. And that's kind of one of the reasons I wanted to talk to you. I aim at the poorest of the poor who have no insurance. And I make lots of ways for them to pay me. Uh, mm-hmm. Sometimes that bites you in the butt. I'm just. Yeah. Yeah. So sometimes people are poor because they make bad life decisions and sometimes because they're bad people. And so you, you got to take the good with the bad there. But it is a very fulfilling thing. 
And um, you and I are going to talk about one of the other things that we have in common later, because I want to give you a soapbox for this because I believe in it so much. And I think you know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah. Yeah, for sure. So you know, talk to I, me about this, this, this by encounter thing, because it's something I've never encountered. Yeah. So every state, most states have federally qualified health centers. They're paid by the federal government. There's a lot of backdoor deals going on. And uh, if, if anybody knows me, listen, I, I, I'm admittedly into most conspiracy theories. I, but this is not a conspiracy theory. This is, this is exactly how they're paid. And in, in, the, in the state of Washington, where I've done my research and I've talked on the phone with the CFO of the Medicaid uh, um, organization, the encounter fee is $225. So if you go to a federally qualified health center, which is one of the only places that accepts state, they will get paid $225 no matter what they do. Really? Exam, exam plus cleaning, exam plus cleaning and three fillings, all the same price. So you're incentivizing neglect because right. if, you have, if you have 12 cavities to fill, which the poorest of people among us, these are the people who they're seeing, and poverty and dental disease are two correlating factors. They go, mm -hmm. they go hand in hand with each other. And that's no one, no, one, no one denies that. No one doubts that. So you got the worst needs being met with the worst business model that could possibly, uh, that, that, that just won't help them. So where I can finish 12 fillings in one sitting, if I want right. to, but definitely probably I would do two. I usually do upper and lower and divide it into two or right and left side. Mm -hmm. And I divide it into two, two quadrants. I can do two quadrants at a time and do five fillings on top and five on the bottom. And the next visit I do the, do the other, other half. Mm -hmm. I get them done in two visits that are a week apart. Right. They get it done one filling at a time. Yeah. Two or three months apart because they're so backed up because they only do one, one visit. They're running one column, one visit per hour. So if you have one feeling to it do, it sounds like a pretty laid back way to make money, man. I mean, if, if patient health wasn't a concern and, and, you know, doing what's right for the patient wasn't a concern, this is a gold mine. The clinical directors of federally qualified health centers, some of them in Washington state are making $800,000 a year. Wow. So, That's amazing. so now what, what really pisses me off is that I've had a conversation with as high as I, as I can get in the state. Uh, but I've talked to the director of Medicaid and she agrees with me in the state of Washington. And I, I find her to be very nice, but th there's a lot of bureaucracy that goes on in this. But if you paid me by encounter, I'll do implants. Mm -hmm. I'll, do, I'll do root canals. I'll do molar endo on people. Split it up a couple of visits. Sure. Mm -hmm. And I'll make a way, I'll find a way to make it work because I'm going to make up for it when my initial exam is $225. Right. right? Or, or any kind of like post-op visit. They come in for a post-op of an extraction. No, well, the real, 225 the real bucks. There, so the real question is there, there's why don't you become one of these federally, you know, I, federal welfare clinics, I, I'd call them, but um, why, why don't you become one? Do it the right, right way. There, Lead by example. There is, there is a, um, oh, you can't, you, a guy like me can't become a clinical director of a federally qualified health center. Are we going to get federally a health, conspiracy theory, theory here or, or is there another reason? Well, federally qualified health centers are more than just dental. It's a medical yeah. facility. I and, I, and I don't know how the medical facility works, but they are based on uh, a demographic need, uh, the, how they get that, quali that qualification as a federally qualified health center that gets them paid that specific way. But I've also talked talk to the Washington State Dental Associations that we should be, as an organization, just flamboyantly against getting paid mm -hmm. by encounter. Getting paid by encounter is, is it just, you, you know you're neglecting. Well, it seems ripe. It seems ripe for abuse. It really does. So I'm, I'm glad you right. mentioned that because it's something I've, I've never really encountered. I've never have, I have always, um, I've always held that I would rather give dentistry away for free and I do rather than have to deal with the federal government or the state government on any level. Sure. Uh, so I, I actually budget a certain amount each year just for charitable giving so that I can That's help awesome. people who are in need. Um, but yeah. that is something and another perfect segue because I know that charitable dentistry is one of your huge passions. And so I'd, I'd like you to 
use this as a soapbox to tell other people why yeah and to tell them what you get from it and before i do that the last thing i want to say about federally qualified health centers is that i don't believe the dentist i don't want dentists who work in a federally qualified health center to think that i'm uh crapping all over them i'm not right there are dentists who work within federally qualified health centers they realize the flaws they realize that and they do uh, you know, against the bidding of their clinical managers, they'll do five fillings in a sitting or they'll, they'll pull right. three or four teeth instead of one tooth and they'll do what's best for the patient and not what's best for their bottom line uh, every time. So that the, I want to say, you know, and, and dentists need those jobs and those jobs are important and the population of people are important as well. So I don't want to minimize that relationship. Right. I just think, uh, you know, the, the dentists are employees. They don't, they don't get paid by encounter. They don't, they don't get their end of that. That's the clinical, the management, um, the bureaucracy. It's someone dentist, whose nephew knows the governor or something like that. The, the dentists are employed and or salaried. Well, no, they're ethical by choice rather than by design. Right, right. Now, if the clin- but if the clinical director tells you, hey, we only, see, we only do one procedure per, per visit right. here. You know, yet your employer, you might be like, oh, okay, that's the rule. I'm gonna but it's that. not like they've asked you to do something that is um, clinically unsound, which is what we worry about it is whenever your, yep. your, your overlords tell you to do something, because I get this all the time. People ask me, well, since you, you MB2 bought part of your practice, do they like force you to do things? I'm like, no, they just, they handle all the headaches, right? I don't have to worry about yeah. any of the management stuff anymore. Yeah, the team. They just, I just do dentistry, but I yeah. have heard horror stories about associates working in, in offices and being, they felt forced to do things that were unethical. Um, you know, you know, right. MODBL fillings on, you know, teeth that really needed obviously a crown or, or, or something to that, to that example. But yeah, you know, so, so I, I can imagine that it would be easier to go with the flow and keep your job and increase your production for a lot of people and that they wouldn't yeah. have the intestinal fortitude or perhaps I should say in this, in this interview, since, you know, I, I have to get in a little bit of trouble since you're on, on, on my podcast, uh, perhaps the testicular fortitude to stand up to their overlord and tell them, no, that's not what I'm doing. Yeah. Well, I've got it. So I've talked about on my podcast about federally qualified health centers and I've gotten some, some, uh, feedback that wasn't entirely positive because I, but that's why I want to make sure I think the dentists who work there are fantastic as long as they, as long as they are doing the best they can ethically and they, but I do think it's important to realize that the whole idea of getting paid by encounter puts the poorest among us at a tremendous disadvantage. And they're already disadvantaged if they can't get access to care. It's federally qualified health. Center. if you follow it's, those rules, you are denying just, access to care. It's not just their access to care. Okay. So as I said, I grew up in the lap of poverty and yeah. we, couldn't afford to take off of work. Mom and dad couldn't afford to take off of work to bring his kids to the dentist. Every single time they had to take off, the, off of work, because they were unskilled workers, that was a real good chance they were going to lose their job. And so our right. dental health really, it didn't get much attention. None of our health got any attention unless we had a problem. And right. so in a very real way, you're exacerbating that condition and, and, and putting – as you said, the most vulnerable amongst us in a position where they're even more vulnerable. Yeah. You know, it, it hit a fever pitch with me also because I work in the same area as a federally qualified health center. I know for a fact when they have a tooth to pull, they send these people to the University of Washington, which is in the Seattle area, which is a two and a half hour drive. I've called the federally qualified health centers and said, hey, I accept state insurance. I will pull these people's teeth. You mm-hmm. can send them to me. Not a single referral from, from a federally qualified health. They, they won't refer to me. I'm as a general mm-hmm. dentist. I don't know, maybe it's because I'm a general dentist and not an oral surgeon, but uh, they make these people drive not once to the University of Washington because the first visit's just a consult. You got to yeah. drive twice. You got to do the consult. So I have horror stories of people, uh, in my opinion, being mistreated and me trying to save the day and help out the situation and just being met with, bureaucratic nonsense uh, i don't i don't i don't exactly know why they're not referring to me but i've called them multiple times saying hey please refer to me 
I'll take mm -hmm. care of these people. If you can't pull the tooth out, I'll do it. And I'll get them in within the, within probably within the next two days to squeeze right. them in and get and pull a tooth out. So I had my big frustrations with, with fairly qualified health centers, but that leads me to my soapbox, which is right. uh, last year I created a nonprofit, a, a legitimate 501c3 nonprofit organization called the Drilled Podcast Network. And it runs hand in hand with my podcast, Drilled with Dr. Brady. And the purpose of the nonprofit is to deliver as much dentistry, impactful dentistry, to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. What we do is we identify individuals who are in need of a full mouth overhaul, and we do it. And our dream, our, our goal, you know, the pipe dream is this. What if, what if every dentist in America took on one person mm -hmm. in a year's time? Once a year, you find one person. Make it a Christmas gift, make it a, a birthday gift or some kind of special occasion. You find one person that you know. And my, my, uh, my statement that I always make is that every dentist knows somebody who they love as a patient, mm -hmm. doesn't have the money to pay for the treatment that they need. And you find someone like that and you, you provide for them everything they need at no cost. You say, hey, I'm going to take care of this for you. Just imagine the tremendous impact that could make on a population of people. How many dentists are there? How many people need that work? So that's well, the ultimate it, we goal. Could, we could all afford right. to do this once a month. Well, oh, yeah. Once a year is my, is my pipe. Once a right. month is, is still doable. I mean, that, <clears throat> this is what I, so, so this started for me, giving away, giving away dentistry became a big part of my life about four or five years ago because I hated dentistry. I honestly didn't think I was going to stick with it. I thought uh, I didn't feel good about it. Uh, uh, I, I did a couple of things, major things that, that changed my perspective. But one of them was I realized I wasn't, I grew up being taught charitable service is important mm -hmm. and you need to be doing it. And my parents showed me that by example and I wasn't doing anything like that. And I hadn't for years, for years. I was worrying about my studies, my, my, my classes, um, uh, going to school, and then buying a practice and started a family and buying a house. And, and man, it was all about me for a decade, you know? And, uh, and I realized that was a, a shortcoming in my life. And so I changed that. And I started finding people where I would just do, do a crown for them. And I found that doing a crown doesn't move the needle for me very much. If I do mm -hmm. a crown for free for someone, if I do a crown for free, the change in my monthly paycheck, I don't see it. I right. don't notice it. It's still, my check still as big as it ever is. Mm -hmm. So I could do three or four crowns. Still, I don't, I still don't feel it. But for the patients who I give a crown to, if I say, Hey, I know you can't afford this. And they're looking at the ground and they're saying, I, yeah, well, let me just call you back. I, I, I got And I know that means they're not coming into the crown done right. or the root canal. And if I say to them, hey, I'm just going to, I'm going to take care of this one. You take care of the next one. I'll do this one for you this time. And you take care of the next one. And I would say that to mm -hmm. people all the time. And that, and then uh, it, it changed my outlook on life. These are the people who I see on my schedule. And I look forward to, I mean, for days, I would look forward to them mm -hmm. coming into my office and look forward to going in to the, to the office to see them. So that every now and then I would up the ante and do something bigger until I started doing full mouth cases every now and then for free. And so the podcast is based around that. The, the, well, the, the nonprofit is based around the podcast is uh, you're not going to learn much clinical stuff from me on my podcast. It's, it's, it's musings uh, and rantings. And I have some cool guests from time to time. We get some cool collaborations for sure. Um, but it's, it's musings of, of the dental world. And I try to make it uh, very appealing to a non-dentist too about right. The inner, work, the inner workings of dentistry, but it's a, very fun, it's a very fun venture for me. But the real reason I use the podcast is the vehicle to give away free dentistry. Mm -hmm. So our goal is to dot the map. We want every dental office to be a headquarters. For, so how many uh, people do you, how many people do you have uh, signed up right now? So we have about, uh, before COVID-19, we had six docs that are helping us out and that have all committed to once a year. Okay. I haven't tried to recruit because I'm working out some logistics and finance. We're not, we're not funded. We're mm -hmm. not supported financially. Right now, it's very, it's in, it, the, the, the nonprofit is in its infancy as far as evolution. 
we want to tell people stories too. What's, what's really great about what we do and what I want to accomplish is it's not enough for me to do the, the work. I like doing the work, but I want to tell mm-hmm. the stories because I want to inspire right. more dentists to see the value. And the way that we inspire um, people to see it is by showing them. So I want to showcase someone who has become a hermit or a recluse in their life and they don't host parties anymore and they don't do anything anymore and they don't and they've aged themselves 15 years from loss of teeth and then going and seeing how their whole countenance changes and how their their whole you know the all their confidence comes back and and how that affects their life so we interview people before during and after and we show some of those transformations on our youtube channel uh one one of my one of my favorite things in the world, you know, in full disclosure, everyone out there who doesn't know this about me, I do one big case a year or two smaller cases equaling out to $100,000. Um, so I, um, I believe that it's one of the most important things that we as healers can do because we are so used to wearing multiple hats as a business owner, as a leader, as a confessor sometimes, a psychiatrist other times. Sure. Sometimes we forget that our hands heal and the change that that, that can make in someone else's life can be such a gift. And uh, I, I believe I told you the story about um, one of our patients who was a shut-in for seven years. Uh, she had lost her son on his birthday uh, in a horrible car accident and she had just stopped caring. And um, some, we, we have this, this contest every single year. And what we do is we have the community nominate one person who is worthy of, of, of getting help. And yeah. I had my team read the members, uh, read, read their stories, and my team votes on them. And what I do is before my team votes on them, I go through them and I say, okay, these are good cases. Um, this showcases something I want to do, or I think this will make a big change in someone's life. And I get rid of the other ones. Then my team votes on those and they pick one or two, depending upon the case size. And we publicize it. We we have media waivers and we are very public about it. And it's something the entire community can feel good about. Um, The the one thing is they can't nominate themselves or their spouse, but they can nominate. We have the same, we have the same rule. We basically have the same exact, it's it's almost the exact same nomination process. You have to be nominated by somebody else. Well, I, I'm, I'm saying that because I want people to know this is something that's important to me. And that is why today I want you to figure out how I can join your network. And I want to figure out, I want to figure out between the two of us after this podcast, what I can do to use the business of dentistry to perhaps form a national nonprofit dental organization where we can actually advertise. Um, I own part of a, a web company and we can actually build a nice website and advertise to patients in every state and they can pick a dentist off the list. And yeah. uh, maybe we can make this thing, uh, make this thing go. You know, life's all about partnerships and it's not about what you know, it's about who you know. And so that's, that's one thing I'm learning myself is, is uh, and so I'm super grateful to know you, man. You have a, a, a vast network of dentists who uh, tune in to your, your Facebook page. We can definitely work out something, man. That, that'll that'll, that'll uh, help a lot of people. You know, I just think it's, a, it's an easy sell as long as you can logistically Dentists will want to do this. You know, I've, mm-hmm. I've never, that's never been the hard part is getting dentists to say, I want to do that. It's fun. It's exciting. It's different. It's rewarding. It's, it's a change of pace for dentists. And if you have the skills and talents to do, you know, major life changing work, right. it's just more practice. Um, one thing I'm also just baffled about, and, and this has been, I've stumbled upon a little gem here. Is that I think charitable service is one of the best marketing tools a dentist can use. I agree. I get more word of mouth referrals, which are the best referrals from the people who I do free work for. Yep. And every, every week on my podcast, I give away $500 of free dental work to my listeners. So my listeners become my patients and my patients become my listeners. And I am dumbfounded at how I was not using this before because if I had, uh, $2,500 to spend on marketing. And I was going to spend that on, I don't know, mailers, a billboard, uh, whatever dentists spend their money, marketing money on. I choose to spend it on my lab and doing 
12 free crowns for mm -hmm. 12 different people and, and, and get those 12 people to become, uh, uh, you know, loyal to me. Yes, they do. Through, <laughs> which they do. They just do, man. It's yeah. just, it, it's and, the and it's the one law of, of reciprocity. One of the things people want to be reciprocal. To, absolutely. One of the things that's uh, and, and shout out to Chris Phelps for that. But uh, one of the things that I find is the most amazing is the the intangibles that go along with this. Other than you feeling great about what you're doing and kind of em, emboldening and 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 fanning the flames, the passion that you once had for dentistry because it really does. My labs. They find out I'm doing a free case and they ask if they can please provide free materials. Yeah. And hundred percent. What ends up happening uh, the other day, I, I had one of the most humbling moments of my life. I had a patient who, and we've all got these patients. This is that patient that all the dentists say, are you sure you want patients like that? I didn't yeah. want this patient. Yeah. And so <laughs> they she, do exist. Right. They do exist. So she comes into the office and she is a pain to begin with. She's ugly when she's scheduling, very um, entitled, yeah. um, gets a referral uh, for a, um, a upper first molar that had some pretty tortuous S-shaped canals and stuff. I said, get thee to the specialist, you know? Yeah. And um, she went online and bashed me because um, when she called back, she said, okay, I'm ready for my crown now. And we said, okay, cool. That'll be this much. Oh no, I already paid for the root canal. That comes with it. The doctor told me that. So she tries scamming yeah. my, you, you know, the, you know, the type I'm talking about, because I know you've probably had to deal, deal with some of these. And so oh, yeah. she's an utter scam artist. And um, basically yes. just, wow. Siri response to the word scam artist. Wow. I, I didn't hear that. I, he I heard a very she just familiar voice again. there. She just did it again. <laughs> okay. So watching her. So anyway, she, she's watching you, dude. She is, man. Uh, I don't know if yeah. you saw that post about the new tracking uh, software that's built into Apple and the Androids. Yeah. Big brother, stuff. man. It's for, it's for yeah. social distancing. But anyway, right. getting back to the story. Um, yeah. This lady leaves this horrible review and all of a sudden, all of these patients, and I'm recognizing names, it's patients I've done free work for, start ripping the crap out of her about all the service I do for the community. She took it down. Wow. I mean, wow. guys, That's powerful. there's nothing more powerful than that. You know? Well, well loyalty, loyalty is something that is, uh, you, you just, I mean, even... Loyalty is hard to get, and it's, I think that's what dentists want, especially if you, for certain types of practices, like fee-for-service practices, you need loyalty. You need it. Right. Uh, and and I'm charitable service and finding people down on their luck and, and helping them out, I'm sorry, but like, if that's done to me, I am scrambling for ways to help out someone who helped me out, thinking of what can I do? Can I go bring them dinner? Can I, can I do the like donuts? What do they like? What, I, I try to figure out what they want because I, I can't help but obey this law of reciprocity. Absolutely. And that's how patients feel when you help them out. And like I said, it doesn't move the needle for me very much. And uh, it moves the needle for them in a life-changing way. 1200 bucks for a crown, that's rent for some people for a month. Absolutely. I mean, that's, that's, that's their grocery bill for months. That's, you got to start thinking in the way that they're thinking when they're saying 1200 bucks or whatever your cost of a crown is because patients just think differently. And when you, when you bail them out and you give them what they need and they don't have to pay for it, they're going to pay you back with the way, what you really want, which is all their friends and family. That's what you really want. Absolutely. You want every single person that they know coming and, to you. And now the next question that people are going to ask, and I know this because I got this from them whenever I first started talking about charitable giving is, well, doesn't that class of patient want to come to you then? Yes. And guess what? Those people pay their bills usually. Yeah. So I get this. This is uh, one of the reasons why people don't want to do free work. And I get this on the surface in writing it on, on, on paper. It makes sense. Is that, well, if the word gets out that I'm doing free work, mm -hmm. then everybody who knows that person is going to ask for free work. 
And I would put myself against any dentist as far as amount of, of free work that I've done. Right. And my experience tells me not a single time have I ever been asked by anybody uh, for, who's a referral from someone who I did free work for to also give them free work. In fact, what I overwhelmingly notice is that they trust my judgment, they accept my treatment plan, and they pay for it to the best of their ability to do so. Right. So they may, so, I mean, definitely people can't always afford what we tell them they need. That always happens. But to their ability to pay, they will pay because they trust. They, they, I just gave their friend a $20,000 case for free. Of course, I'm a good guy. You know, right. that, that's what they already come in knowing me. And I don't know them, and but they know be, me. That would be another one of the pillars of persuasion, which is likability. Yeah. So all I can do is blow it if they come. I mean, <laughs> right. It's, it's the dentistry is sold. They're coming to me because they know they need dentistry. They've asked a friend where to go. They've been told Dr. Smith at Comfort Dental, go see him. He did. And here's the thing. The kicker is most people who get the free work mm -hmm. don't tell their friends that they got the free work, mm -hmm. you know, unless it's a huge case, but like a free crown here and there, they're not telling, Oh yeah, Dr. Smith does free crowns. They don't want to tell. They don't, they, they want to. Even they don't, if they it, did, it's not necessary information. Even if they did, if you if you do what I do and what I suspect you do, which is have a business plan around it, and you say, okay, this is an advertising expense and my budget, dirty B yeah. word that no one uses, my budget is twenty four hundred dollars per month. The first person who comes in, you can say, you know, I I do have just enough to take care of this filling for you. Yeah. And you just got two referral sources. And if you don't, you yeah. say, I budget this amount every single month. If I do more than that, it's taking food out of the mouths of my team. And I can't do that. But if you can hold off for one month, you can come in on next month's and we yeah. can get you taken care of. It's a great compromise. It's a I great so. compromise. And I think everybody can use their own judgment about what works in their practice. But the idea of using charitable service as uh, a tool for your own mental health and as a, as, a, as a powerful tool to your community and as a marketing strategy. It just, if you're not doing it, you ought to consider doing it in whatever capacity you can. You don't have to do a free crown, do a free filling. It's great. Start with what, start, I always tell people, start with what makes you comfortable and just keep on pushing that. Push that envelope. Do it. If, if one filling, if you're comfortable with one filling, do two. Right. Do, do a little bit more and push yourself out of your comfort zone with what you are comfortable giving away for free and just a test, experiment on how it makes you feel and how it changes your perspective about what, what you do and how you do it. So, Brady, one of the things I wanted to talk to you about, slightly changing subjects here, um, is efficiency. Because of the way that you practice, I imagine you have developed some systems of efficiency. Um, one of the things I'm going to suggest for this charitable giving as a segue into discussing efficiency is you know what hours people don't schedule in. If you schedule a patient in that time period, the only thing you're losing is the $15 to turn the room around and the actual cost of goods sold for whatever treatment you just did. Be it $99 for a crown, $40 for a crown. If you use, you know, 4G labs, it's a uh, shameless plug. I own part of 4G. Uh, so, Fine. hey man, you, you should use 4Gs for some of your, uh, some of your charity work. But no, uh, I'll look into it, man. I'll look into any, it. Yeah. Anyway, the, the whole point of it is do it smart and it costs you less. Do it during hours that are not your prime hours where your production is. Yeah. These people if are willing to come concern. in when, you, when you're going to be treating them, you know? Yeah, yeah. Uh, and people will come in at whatever time you tell them. If you're like, I'll do it for free, but you got to come in right. at 7.30 a.m. Or uh, my lull is around 1 o'clock. Come in at mm -hmm. 1, I'll, I'll do it for you for free. Uh, they're going to do it. They're going to do it. They're going to be super grateful. And, uh, yeah, honestly, I have never thought about that. I schedule my free work. Mm-hmm amongst all my other work right and what's interesting is that uh you know sometimes it comes up and you can other people will overhear 
me talking about this is this is free of charge. This is no make sure right. when they go up front that this gets this gets right down as a professional courtesy. And still, I've never had other patients in adjacent operatories who I know have overheard that. They've said things like, "That's really really nice that you do that. That's fantastic mm-hmm. that you do that." Never once have I ever heard, "Well, why is my crown costing me money and their crown's free?" Never, never, yeah. not a single time have I ever heard that. I would. Uh, I expect that to be something that people think, but I've never heard that surprisingly. And when you just start experimenting on, on charitable service and giving things away for free, I think you find that these objections, they just go away and it just turns into something that you want to incorporate all the time. That's what's happened for me is that, like you said, every month, I, uh, that's why I do the podcast thing where I'm doing $500 every single week. Cause I just, mm-hmm. I want to keep that going. I love the way it feels. And just like when you like anything, you just do more, you just do it more. And so that's what it's kind of turned into. Absolutely. All right. So give us your top five tips, the Brady Smith top five tips for clinical efficiency or efficiency of patient flow and team management. Uh, okay. I'll try my best. Top five. Uh, Number one, I would say is hone your skills, be fast, get as fast as you can get. I mean, and maintaining quality. You think someone who does something a thousand times versus someone who's done something 10 times, they can't take the same amount of time to do it. If you have that much experience, you're getting faster. And if you, if you're getting faster, uh, I think you're going to get better. So honing your own skills to be quick at what you do. There are excellent podcasts and, and free material about how to do a root canal buildup and crown in an hour, the five minute crown prep, uh, you know, th- things along those nat- along that nature. You can look to other professionals to get better at your skills. I use EFTAs. If your state allows EFTAs, that allows for extreme efficiency. <laughs> so I won't practice in a state that doesn't have EFTAs to be quite We actually had that conversation last time we talked. Yeah. So that is a, a huge deal. Um, efficiency, man. I, uh, oh, I call any patient who gets a needle in their mouth uh, afterwards, mm-hmm. check on them. We call them, we call them care calls, but I do my care calls. And that's also another thing that I do to make sure that people feel loyal to me. Um, I also interview every single patient, who come, every single new patient who comes in uh, before we see them in a chair, before they, before they meet my staff, besides my front staff, they meet me first. Mm-hmm. We have a three-minute conversation. Basically, I say, what are the circumstances that have brought you to me? Why are you here? How can I help you? What are we looking to do today? Why are you, what's going on? And I get a feel for them. I get to go through their health history at that point, mm-hmm. and that's kind of that first three minutes, I make sure they're not a crazy person. I was going to uh, say, how many, people, how many people did you put out right there? Uh, I can count on one hand every year the amount of people okay. that I end it. Uh, if they're, if they're seeming like they're not a mental stability right. or under, if they're under the influence of something that I suspect will reschedule them for another time or, or dismiss them immediately. But uh, it's, it's rare, man. It's, uh, it's super rare. But that's a super helpful, helpful tool is uh, meeting them. I can't tell you how many patients tell me it's amazing that they get to talk to the doctor immediately. They love mm-hmm. it. So I'll never not do that. That's fantastic. And while it seems to take up a little bit of time, I think it pays for itself. I think, it, uh, I think, I think it's part of my efficiency is for sure doing that. Um, and then just ability to delegate. That's probably the last thing. Is that five? I think it's five. The ability to delegate and, and make sure that you understand what the order of operations. Sometimes we have three patients in three chairs. Sometimes we have four patients in four chairs and I'm the only guy there to, to help them all out. So it's, it's important to say, uh, to, to get a rote, take a second and think about, okay, I got a numb in four. I'm going to prep in right. two. I'm going to come back and do my exam in three and then go to one and do a post-op for a, whatever so right. you just got to organize and have a have a thought process i, I love that you do post-ops i think staff to help you out too absolutely i love that you do post-ops a lot of people don't i think they're one of the best selling opportunities 
I know, I know sales, but I'm the business guy, right? They're one of the best selling opportunities in your yeah. practice. You know, oh, for you sure. just, you've just yeah. taken away somebody's pain and they have shown that they trust you enough and they value you enough to return for nothing other than for you to look and see if they're healthy. And when yeah. they do return, yeah. you've got a patient for life. Yeah. So thank you for coming on and, and you're, you're going to be getting man. us, you're going to be getting us this information. And uh, luckily this time the internet wasn't completely an unforgiving mistress, although she did try to delay us a little bit here. This, this was our second attempt. We tried, we tried a, a couple of weeks ago and, and it didn't work out. Uh, but I'm, I, I, I'm super grateful for your platform and to let me talk about the things I like to talk about, which I think could be things that other dentists like to talk about or like to listen to. Absolutely. Well, guys, uh, thank you for joining us for another episode of the Dear Doc podcast. Again, this is Dr. Christopher Huffpower and uh, joined by Dr. Brady Smith. Thank you for wasting another hour of your time listening to the sound of my voice droning on. I hope to see you again soon. And uh, you guys stay safe out there and get back to work. Thanks for listening to the Dear Doc podcast your source for the business and legal questions associated with your dental practice. Don't forget to subscribe to the Dear Doc Podcast on all major platforms.